Hi, I'm Susie Garden, naturopath and nutritionist, yoga and meditation instructor. Welcome to the Wellness Glow podcast for women who want inspiring and practical solutions to feel abundant energy and vitality on the inside and look radiantly healthy on the outside. Each week, I talk all things gut health and mind-body connection. If you want to find out more about me, check me out at susiegarden.com. Welcome to the show. This week, I have a special guest all of the way from Queens in the United States, Holly Toronto. This is the second time Holly's been on the podcast, and I invited her back because we had such a great talk last time. Holly is a certified master level coach through the Health Coach Institute and has four years of experience helping highly driven women build resilience to toxic beauty and diet messages. She uses an intuitive and spiritual approach that guides her clients towards self-trust, confidence, and sovereignty over their entire being, body, mind, and soul. From this place, her clients are able to make self-guided decisions and finally live the life they desire in the body they live in today. Holly, welcome to the Wellness Glow. Thank you so much for having me, Susie. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, and I'm really excited for our conversation today. I mean, last time we spoke about emotional eating and intuitive eating, and then right towards the end, we kind of started talking about body image and realized it's such a big topic and such an important topic that I wanted to get you back in to talk more about it. But I guess before we get into the topic, I just wanted to refresh the listeners on a bit about your journey. So if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little bit more background as to how you got interested in working with women in body image. Yeah, absolutely. And so I I definitely um, go through like the heroine's journey in our, in our first episode. So I would encourage people for sure to listen to that for even more details, but yeah, um, I have been certified as a health coach for five years. I've been, um, running my own business and my own practice for about four years. However, my journey to becoming a health coach, um, actually kind of works in like a roundabout way in that I didn't start off my coaching practice helping women with body image and and intuitive eating. In fact, it was exactly the opposite. I was, um, I was brought into health coaching through experiencing what I didn't realize at the time was a very disordered relationship to my body and food and that I was involved in really extreme dieting and I was restricting a lot and I um, was able to, from uh, by using a very highly restrictive diet, was able to lose uh, quite a bit of weight in which I started to receive lots of praise and lots of accolades from people who um, who saw me and were like, oh, wow, you've lost so much weight. You look so good now that you've lost weight, <laughs> and um, which is always such a backhanded compliment. And, you know, I, I really felt this um, this deep sense of like, wow, I've done something right as a woman, right? Like that's what it felt like for me when I was able to lose that weight and keep it off. I was like, wow, I've done something right. You know, I've ticked that box of success, right? Um, You know, I've been working in the fashion and yeah. Um, You know, I had like all of these other conventional markers of success. Like like I worked in the fashion industry, a very image centric industry. Um, I had, you know, I had married a, a wonderful man. I was, had a comfortable income and an apartment and living in New York City, but like, that last box to tick, right? It was like weight loss, right? And so that brought me into the coaching world because a lot of people were asking for my help, yet 
underneath the surface, there was some really insidious things happening, like such as, you know, I had originally gone on this diet to clear up acne, uh, female adult acne that I was experiencing. And that female adult acne did not go away. And I was like highly restricting at the same time. And, you know, my hair was falling out and I developed digestive issues. And I was also socially isolating. So there was these aspects of both my physical and mental and emotional health that were really suffering. But I hung on to those with like a death grip because I was terrified of waking. I was terrified of quote unquote losing the body that I had worked so hard to achieve. And yeah. if we fast forward, yeah, like that, that's so much of it too for, for women who are experiencing body image issues. It's like there's this deep sense of loss. And so that, um, you know, long story short, I, I had a, a pretty big breakthrough when I was on a trip with my husband in Alaska and I had, um, I was on a cruise and all we do on cruises is eat, right? All we do is just enjoy delicious foods. And I had this like, really like I had to come, come to, to Buddha, come to Jesus moment where I realized that, um, that the way like being panicked and anxious around food and terrified of waking while I'm on a vacation is no way to live my life, right? That is no way to be present and live a joyful life. And so um, I had brought one book with me on that trip. It's a book called Intuitive Eating, which we talked way more about in our previous episode. And that book really allowed me to see so clearly what I was creating for myself, not only for my health and my relationship with food, but also in terms of how I was connecting my weight to my health as well as my weight to my self-worth. And so I kind of, I came back from that trip and I really had to deconstruct from this narrative of like, I, I have to be the thinnest possible version of myself in order to be successful. And, you know, I, I also, um, your listeners can't see me, but you can see me and I, I do live in, in a thinner body in general. You know, I have a lot of privilege when it comes to the size of my body that I have to acknowledge. And um, so me going on my healing journey was, was much as far as healing from uh, disordered eating and body shame was a much more celebrated experience for me as, as a thin white woman versus somebody who perhaps lives in a larger body. It's something I always want to acknowledge, but you know, my, I feel like my mission along with so many other women who have come before me doing this work is really to co-create a more equitable world for all bodies where people get to know and love and accept that them, themselves and know that they are worthy of living the life that they desire and having the, the love that they desire and the relationships and the success and the career that they desire, regardless of the size of their body. Oh yeah. And I, and I love some of the points that you bring up there. And one in particular is when you talked about how you had all of these health issues going on that from the outside, nobody can see that, right? Everyone's just seeing success because you've lost weight or whatever, or you are a certain size. Whereas often that is what happens when people do go on weight loss journeys is they if they're not doing it in a way that is um, providing all the nutrients and nourishment they need for their body and mind, then you can get health problems associated with that. But people aren't necessarily seeing that. They're just saying, oh, wow, you've lost weight. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this great? Because we celebrate it so much in our Western culture, which is really interesting. But in terms of, um, you were talking about your privilege as being in a, a thin white woman's body. Do you want to expand a little bit more on that? Absolutely. I would love to. Um, so I, I think it's really important and, and I don't necessarily use this term, but I, anymore in my work, because 
I, I want to be really mindful and respectful of where this came from, but a lot of my work is, is informed by and I've been educated by the body positive movement. And the body positive movement was created in the 1960s by uh, uh, black women of size, a lot of them also being queer and, you know, on the gender spectrum. And really, um, like women who fell on the margins of what is considered socially acceptable, right? And um, these women were demanding respect, demanding um, that their bodies be treated equitably, that they have, you know, fair treatment in healthcare, that they be given representation, that um, they just, they, they simply demand the respect, right, that all human beings are worthy and deserving of. And um, so the body positive movement is, is really built off the backs of, of those women. And I always want to be really, really clear on that anytime I'm talking about body positivity. But if we sort of fast forward to today and, and um, looking at privilege, you know, a lot of people feel really confronted by this idea of privilege, you know, whether that's white privilege or thin privilege or whatever it is. And, and you know, it, it's, there's work to be done there for everyone. I know I've had to do it myself, but really privilege doesn't mean that you haven't struggled. Privilege doesn't mean that your hardships or the, the dirt, like your, um, what you've experienced in your relationship to your body is invalid. No, it just means that um, though you struggled, there's people who have had it far, far, far worse. And, and generally those people tend to live in larger bodies. And so, um, you know, sort of the, the opposite of thin privilege um, is, is something called weight stigma. And weight stigma is so, so, so pervasive in, in all cultures. But if we look at it from, you know, a Western perspective, like um, weight stigma is so, so, so prevalent in our medical industry where people of size are, you know, give it, not given fair treatment when they're going to the doctor's office with a, 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 an ailment that someone in a thin body would be given a certain treatment for and they're given a prescription of weight loss and dieting, right? Which is, a, is something that we know fails 95 to 98% of the time. Um, and you know, studies have actually shown that weight stigma is actually far more associated with negative health, health outcomes than the weight itself, right? Um, studies have shown that, that adults with greater weight satisfaction um, have better health out outcomes and more favorable health behaviors, regardless of BMI. So basically, if you're, more, if you're happier with your body, <laughs> then you take better care of yourself and you have better health outcomes. And so, um, so again, kind of just going back around to the weight stigma piece of it, uh, this is something that's so, so, so important to acknowledge that like, though I've struggled and though many women and white women who live in, in um, smaller bodies might struggle in their relationships with their bodies, you know, 91% of American women are dissatisfied with their bodies. That's significant. Um, it's important to really address that women of size get the the brunt of, of the pain when it comes to navigating a society that um, isn't built for them, whether that's whether that's clothing, whether that's airline seats, whether that's um, just simply going to the doctor's office. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting to me that survey. What did you call it? Body satisfaction. That's a yeah. really interesting yeah. thing because I mean, I'm in my kind of practice. I'm a big believer in the power of the mind, and I do believe that if you have um, 
the mindset, right, that can be very powerful in terms of using it as a healing tool. So it's really interesting to me that people who really felt very satisfied with their body size, no matter what their size was, that they had better health outcomes regardless of BMI. I find that really, really interesting. And I personally would like to explore that a little bit further in terms of knowing about that um, research. But what do you find in terms of um, working with women with body image? What kind of things do people, do people come to you knowing they have issues with their body image or is that sometimes you something you uncover when you work with people can you talk about that a little bit holly yeah really great question uh, one thing i just want to quickly um, name for you too since you are interested in that research i would definitely check out the book body respect by linda bacon and lucy Affermore. i believe it's actually lindo bacon now um, they are a gender non-conforming person uh, and have changed their name to lindo bacon uh, but Body Respect is the book. It's incredible and it, and it references that research. But yeah, when it awesome. comes to um, when like a client comes to me and if they know they're struggling with body image issues, the answer to that is, is yes. <laughs> um, because oftentimes the clients that I work with, they've done all the things, right? They've done all of the diets. They've done every single like, you know, weight loss attempt out there, right? And by the time they come to me, they have, many of them have experienced years of yo-yo dieting, which is actually also something that's really harmful to one's well-being. Um, and they just feel so disconnected from their sense of like hunger, right? And then how to attune to their body signals. And they just feel like, they're done, right? They're just done with diet culture. They're done with these like unrealistic expectations of beauty. And that doesn't mean necessarily that the work is going to be easy or that they even are at a place where they're like letting go of the desire to lose weight. Um, though I, what I always say in my practice is that I never guarantee that. I can't guarantee that you are going to lose weight. I can, but what I can help guide you towards is that you are going to have a more loving and accepting relationship to your body and feel at peace around food. But that is something that they know that they are experiencing when they come to, to work with me. But what they might not be aware of is um, when, when we're looking at body image, there is always what we call sort of like a deeper yearning underneath wanting to change the body. So body image is not about cellulite. You know, it's not about tummy rolls or, or any other like perceived flaws we think we have. Body image is about the meaning we make about those perceived flaws. So are you making the meaning that living in a larger body or, you know, having, uh, having put on weight um, in your, you know, whatever age of like after having a baby or whatever it is, are you making that mean that you're not lovable, right? Are you making that mean that you can't go on the vacation that you want to go on because you don't want to put on a bathing suit? Are you making that mean you're not worthy of the career or the success that you desire for yourself, right? It's what's the deeper meaning underneath that? And then how can we, um, you know, from a place of shifting from, I have to have this body, right? It's like the concept of be, do, have versus have, do, be, right? Our culture looks at, um, like I should say, transformation and, and growth from a place of have, do, be, right? Like, once, once I have the body, then I can do the thing, right? Whether that's put myself on the dating website or go on the vacation and then I'll be happy. I'll be worthy. I'll be enough. Right. And so it's yeah. really shifting that 
to flip it completely on its head. You know, you are enough, you are valuable, you are worthy just as you are. Allowing that to inspire the do, inspire the action, which will lead you to having the outcome that you want, which is usually, you know, the loving relationship or the, the fulfilling career or whatever it might be. Yeah. And where do you think that comes from? That, that underlying, I guess, message or story that we tell ourselves when we, you know, have the tummy rolls or the cellulite or whatever, that where do you think that comes from? Is it something that's come from childhood? Is it some, could it just be a one-off comment that someone makes that you then embed and believe? Like, talk to me a little bit about, you know, the, the underlying cause of this. Sure. Um, we could probably like go layer by layer and by layer and get back to like <laughs> the foundation, like human civilization, essentially like the beginning of human <laughs> civilization to like really, really yeah. fully uh, explore this. I'll see how far we get today. But if, if we just yeah. like rewind back to, you know, sort of our formative years when like our subconscious mind is being formed before the age of seven, we are, our body image and how we think about ourselves is really curated from three specific areas. That's our parents, our peers, and the media, right? So we, um, we learn about how to relate to our bodies from our caretakers. And, you know, sometimes that might be things that are directly said to you about your body, or it could be from watching a caretaker uh, and how they navigate their relationship to their body, right? That's what I see with, with my yeah. clients. It's They've been told since the age of five that they need to lose weight or at five years old, their mother was body shaming themselves. Right. And so they're internalizing yes. that. So yeah, parents for sure. Peers, you know, around the age of five is when kids start going to school and they start to get this understanding of like social hierarchy and, you know, who's more attractive and therefore more desirable, which is also, you know, of course built into like our human evolution as well. And so there's that, um, there's that experience too. And then, and then media, I mean, that's, and media is, is so, um, pervasive as, as, as far as like forming our body image. And, you know, we live in, in a society that profits off of creating a sense of scarcity or a sense of, of not enoughness, right? So that we continue to, to buy into these ideals, to create a sense of social prestige or aspiration or desirability. Right. And, and so it's, it's, it's deeply ingrained in us. And so our, our body image is really formed by those three major components. But if we, if we sort of, and, and I'm, I'm by no means an expert at this, but it's like, if you just think about it um, from a historical perspective, you know, women have, at least here in the U S we've had the right to vote for like a hundred years and you know, the, the right to own property for, for, for not that long of a time in human history. And, and in fact, before that, um, you know, we were considered property, you know, we were exchanged and there was deals made <laughs> between families, like marrying a woman off to a man, so you know, true. like we were, <laughs> it's true. And, you know, like, um, there was a time where our physical beauty and attractiveness was actually in some ways linked to our survival, right? It's like, oh, yeah. if I'm yeah. attractive and if I fit into the beauty norms of the decade, then I'll ensure that I have a partner who can care for me and take care of me because I can't actually do that for myself. You know, this is talked about in, um, I don't know if, if you've seen Little Women, the, the most recent 
um, ad adaptation of Little Women that came out at the, I think it was the I haven't. But it's too sad, that story. I just can't. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so good. But, but um, Amy, who's the youngest sister, talks about this. She's like, this is, um, you know, this is like a contract, right, that I'm entering into. This is for my survival. When she was talking about getting married, she's like, don't tell me that I'm selling out if I choose to get married, this is for my survival. And that was like very, um, very true for that time. Right. And so what, right now, when we, if we fast forward to now, that's still sort of built into our narrative. You think back on like Disney princess movies, which I grew up on and sort of like romance and like how the outcome is always marriage and like the hot guy and like what that affords you. And a lot of what we are seeking when we're trying to change our body or conform to beauty norms is this sense of social prestige, therefore resources, whether that's love or success or money. And so it's, it's like, that's why I always say like, I don't blame the woman who has the body image issues or she's trying to conform her body to some specific beauty norm. I'm like, our, our culture rewards that. Our, our, our culture um, really like guides us and pushes us into that direction. And so to overcome that is, it's, it's subversive. It's, it's, it's pretty radical work to do that. Um, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm so incredibly passionate about it. Yeah, I can really feel your passion coming across Holly, which is amazing. And, and one of the, the elements you talked to, so you talk about parents and peers and also media and I know myself, like I used to buy certain magazines um, probably about 15 years ago. I used to be really religiously buying certain sort of more upmarket magazines. And I ended up stopping that because it did make me feel really influenced and really down on myself because I didn't have the designer handbags and I couldn't, I didn't look like the models on the pages. And, I, and to be so easily, I, I feel influenced by that because I guess we're seeing it not only in the magazines we're seeing it on the television shows we're seeing it on um, now social media we're seeing it on billboards everywhere that that perfection in I'm using inverted commas is equals thin equals wearing designer clothes equals looking a certain way and so it's it's amazing to me that even as an adult I could be so easily influenced by the media and so, um, oh gosh, in such a negative kind of way. And I, so I, I think, and that's me who I'm, and I'm a fairly confident person. So I feel like someone who's not so confident, someone who's perhaps had an eating disorder in the past or someone who has had um, negative things said to them over their life would be even more vulnerable to those sorts of messages so i guess my my question is what do we do about it like when you're working with people <laughs> yeah. what are the kind of things what kind of things do you do you, strategies i guess do you help people put in place to deal with all of this because it's constant it's really yeah. hard to avoid it's good. You're 100% right. It is constant. And I would say uh, the, the first thing that I will always work through with my clients is, is something that I, that I call creating awareness. <laughs> um, if we, we are so, again, so deeply ingrained with this, it is the layers upon layers of like just indoctrination, right, into this type of thinking. And so 
really excavating and creating awareness and, and like looking at our, our biases against bodies, our bodies, other people's bodies, like it's painful to do, but it's important to really just like understand why, you know, like where does that belief come from? Right. So we, we work on bringing all of that to the surface, but then we also work through something um, that I call body image resilience. And that is really just armoring ourselves with tools to be able to go out into the world and, and really um, become resilient to these messages. And so there's, there's a couple of things that I'll give a client, um, a couple of like questions and prompts I'll give them. And so the first one is when you're feeling negatively about your body or you're criticizing the way that you look, to just pause and ask yourself the question, who profits from me feeling this way about myself? Because as I mentioned before, in our economy, at least here in the US, right, is built off of creating a sense of scarcity and creating this sense of not enoughness so that you invest, right, to increase your social standing and your prestige. And so somebody is always profiting off of you feeling bad about yourself. So if you are judging your cellulite, right? Cellulite cream is profiting. <laughs> if you are judging your crow's feet, your wrinkles, right? Age is a whole other part of this that we could get into. Um, you know, anti-aging beauty companies are, are profiting. You know, if you are in a situation with women and you're you're having a conversation about like race or politics, but all you're doing is comparing your body to how another woman's body looks. Patriarchy is profiting, right? So somebody is always profiting off of you feeling bad about yourself. And so that is sort of like a, a, a subversive way to look at it. It's like, oh, am I going to give my power away to this uh, company, to this industry? that does not have my best interest at heart, that simply wants to profit off of my insecurity. And so like, that's like the first piece of it, right? It's like, is um, who profits? But then the next piece of it is like, what false narratives am I buying into, right? Am I buying into the narrative that for some reason having a tummy roll is ugly, right? And if so, who wrote that rule? Am I buying into the narrative that I can't wear that certain type of clothing, right? And if so, who wrote that rule? You know, I had a client recently tell me that um, she was worried about wearing a certain outfit because she didn't want to offend anybody with her body. And I was like, girl, your body can't be offensive. There's no such thing as an offensive body, right? There's no such thing as an inappropriate body, regardless of, of your size, of your skin color, of your ability, of your, um, of your gender identity. Like there is no such thing as an inappropriate body, right? And really just kind of like, wow, like reclaiming that and seeing all of these, these stories and narratives that we buy into, that there's some bodies that are worthy and that there's other bodies that are inappropriate and offensive. Absolutely not, right? Like that's that cannot be true. Um, and then lastly, is is you know, there's a, a often like I've I've talked about before um, that when we are so stuck in criticism and judgment about our bodies, we're unable to be fully present with our lives, right? So we're not fully present in the bedroom. We're not fully present in the boardroom if you work in a boardroom or in your office, right? Um, we're not, and we're not fully present just in our relationships and our day-to-day -day lives, right? And so 
when, um, when these thoughts are coming up, when we're feeling triggered in our bodies and how we're seeing ourselves is really to, in that moment, ask yourself, like, what do I value about myself that has nothing to do with my external appearance? What can I acknowledge about myself that has nothing to do with my external appearance? I'm, I'm actually going through um, what I call like a journey. It's a five-day free journey right now in one of my Facebook groups. And that was the, the day one action step was to take a selfie. Only one. There was no retakes allowed to take one and share three things that you value about yourself that have nothing to do with your external appearance. And it was amazing to me how many of the women who participated said that that was hard for them, right? It was hard for them to look at a photo of themselves and say, I'm compassionate or I'm a you know, a, a good mother, or I, you know, I'm a good public speaker, or I have lots of creativity and ideas, or I love being connected to nature. Like it was hard for them to, to, to really like look at the wholeness of who they are outside of their external appearance. And so that's really like what, what you have the opportunity to do with this body image work is like, get to know who you are, right? As a whole person, not just this external shell. Um, and then the last thing that I've given, this should actually have been the first one I gave, <laughs> um, one of the most powerful, powerful, powerful shifts that I made in my relationship to my body and that I've been um, sharing with my clients is something that I, I learned from uh, one of my spiritual teachers. Her name is uh, Jamie Lee Finch, and she does a lot of body image work as well. And she introduced me to this idea of, of actually personifying your body by using the pronouns that you identify with to describe your body. So instead of my body being an it, right, my body is a she. I speak to her. I attune to her. I nourish her versus this body, my body is something separate than me. My body is this object to control or to manipulate, right? My body is a she. She's a person and she's deserving of, of my attention and my love and my tenderness and my adoration, right? So like that would actually be, if, if, if listeners took nothing away from this conversation, that would be like the number one thing is to shift away from objectifying language about your body, whether that's calling your body an it or a vessel or a vehicle or a machine, right? Any of that type of language and really personifying your body and knowing that when you are relating to your body or speaking about your body, you are speaking to a human being and how much more challenging it is to say hateful or critical things about a human being, right? <laughs> it's like, it, it so really, true. really shifts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's just so much gold in what you've been saying holly it's it's really interesting where some of these come things come from and some of the the strategies that you can use to start working through uh and maybe pulling apart some of the stories that we tell ourselves and what i find really interesting you talked about the the women uh in the challenge that you're doing where you're taking a selfie and saying three things that you like about yourself. And yeah, it can be really a really challenging thing to do that. Like I, one of the things I do with um, people I work with is using affirmations. And one of them is to stand in front of the mirror and make eye contact and say, I love and accept myself. And that can be very, very difficult for people to do. And particularly when we're looking at things like body image, I work a lot with weight loss 
And I find that really you need to get that mindset and, and develop that, that self-love and that body love in order to be successful in losing weight, particularly if you need to do so for health reasons, which is generally the people that I'm working with. Um, but that can be incredibly difficult to do. So I love that, that even just taking the small steps that um, you're talking about can be incredibly powerful to help women in particular on that journey of acceptance and more positive kind of body image. Uh, it's really quite uh, profound, that kind of work, which um, I really love. Keeping it, the simple stuff I think is really important and, and more profound mm -hmm. than, than people realize, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Like that, that very simple shift of how I'm talking to my body is not an it, yes. right. As a she, yes. like it's, it's a game changer for, for me. Yes. And, and, you know, that's something that I just started doing within the past six months. So like, even as somebody who's dedicated her life to doing this work, right. Um, I, I still find layers. I still find um, you know, little pain points here and there that I need to work through myself. And, and that's why it's so important to have, um, you know, a support system, like a, a coach or a therapist or, you know, somebody that you're working through this stuff with, because it's so pervasive and it's so uh, sneaky and insidious. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's like, for sure, been like the number one, number one needle mover for me, um, even just recently. Yeah. Amazing. And if there were just, because we're coming towards the end of our time together, it always goes so quickly when I'm talking to you, Holly. If there were like one or two small things that women could start to do today to help them build a more positive relationship with their body and their body image, what would those things be? Yeah. So the first one that I'm going to give is, is going to be sort of counterintuitive because we were talking about media before, right? And, and how, and how um, harmful that can be to our relationships to our body. However, social media has been a tool for myself that has been incredibly supportive and, and one that I always give to my clients um, to really help them um, heal their relationships to their body. And, and the way that I do that is by, is by encouraging them to, what I say, broaden their view of, of what they are seeing in their feed. So instead of just following women that they quote unquote want to look like, right? Um, that are these sort of like aspirational by society's standards um, bodies, yeah. right? Which generally tend to yeah. fall into that like thin white woman area, arena is to actually yeah. um, really bring in a diverse spectrum of bodies and, you know, following women of different sizes, different abilities, different um, skin colors, different identities, like, really allowing yourself to broaden your feed so that you are, um, so that you're seeing a, a vast array of, of people living amazing lives and taking care of themselves and dressing themselves in the way that they want to and expressing themselves regardless of their body size or what they look like. Um, and really like also finding women who look like you, right? Finding women who look not just like how you quote unquote want to look, but also look like you. And really, because representation matters, right? Being, um, being, seeing yourself reflected back in another um, is, is so powerful and so affirming versus, you know, having a feed 
that is like all one body size, like all one sort of look can feel like you are erased, right? It's like, where do you exist there? And so you have power and control over, over your social media. And so use that as the tool. And, and side note, you're also welcome to unfollow anybody who triggers you or makes you feel less than. So, so that would be the first one. And then the second one would be, and this is definitely one that's a little bit more challenging um, and something that I work on a lot with my clients is, is learning how to set boundaries around conversations with others because women so often bond over body shame, right? They bond over, I was just watching a movie over the weekend with some friends. It was like what, a movie from the early 2000s that I had like loved. It's called The Sweetest Thing with, um, with Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate and Selma Blair. And it's just a really fun chick movie. <laughs> and we hadn't watched it in years and, 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 and re-watching it, I was like, wow, this movie is filled with so many problematic messages um, about women and women's bodies. And they were doing things like, you know, jiggling their arms and talking about how their boobs have fallen. And the, these women were supposed to be 28 years old, right? In, in, oh my <laughs> in goodness, the movie. seriously. Like, oh my God. <laughs> but it was such a, like, uh, a moment of like realness, right? Of like how women relate to one another and how, we like we bond over like our flaws and and you know it's it sort of just kind of built into how we um how we bond and so setting boundaries in your relationships um especially ones that sort of have that dynamic whether that's with other women in your life or just anyone else in your life um just kind of saying to them if that kind of conversation comes up it's like you know i know that that's a way that we've bonded and connected in the past but i'm really working on having a relationship to my body that's built on acceptance of where I'm at today. And I realized that that type of conversation doesn't really help me. So, um, so I'm going to ask that we, that we don't do that anymore. <laughs> I know that's easier said than done, but that can also be really, really helpful if you're just starting off your body image healing journey. Absolutely. And I think when we have conversations like that and try and set boundaries that can actually be very, liberating for people that maybe don't have the ability to maybe realize that this can be very damaging, even though it seems fairly trite and fairly, I don't know, light, it can actually, people can walk away from those conversations feeling quite um, upset by it. You know, it doesn't take much to, to hurt people, particularly if you are, um, experiencing some disconnect with um, how you're accepting your own body. And I think that's a really important point to make is that the things that we just talk about in every day can be very, very uh, positive or they can have very negative um, ramifications. So I think it's a really good point. So there's some fantastic little tips there that, that anyone can do um, from today uh, to help improve the relationship they have with their body and their body image. So Holly, if people want to learn more about you and connect with you, whereabouts can they find you? Yeah, I would say that the best place would probably be Instagram. I spend a lot of time on there. I post pretty much daily and uh, I can send you my actual Instagram handle, but it's at Holly underscore Toronto underscore coaching. And that's Toronto spelled exactly like the Canadian city. I hang out a lot there, but also if you go to my Instagram handle and go to my link that's in my bio, you can also have access to my private Facebook group where I do a lot of um, 
fun free challenges and experiences for people. I also have a lot more podcasts that I've linked to um, there if you want to hear more. I, I talk about this all the time. <laughs> so there's plenty of more information out there. But yeah, th those would probably be the two places to, to connect with me and learn more. Uh, fantastic, Holly. And I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes as well. But thank you so much once again for coming on the Wellness Globe podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And I think it's a really important topic that we need to speak more about, particularly as women. So thank you so much for doing that today. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on the Wellness Glow. I loved having you here. See you again next week. Until then, take care and be well.